0: This is Future Diaries, a podcast from the future. From the future. Welcome to Future Diaries, the podcast that transcends space and time.
1: I'm Mike. And I'm Antonis. And we are your hosts. Mike and I are intertemporal gliders, bringing you stories from across the multiverse to inspire better presents and better futures.
2: And I'm Caitlin, an intertemporal scribe. I help interpret stories in the hopes of making them relatable to everyone across the multiverse.
0: In our last episode, we spoke with Colin 235F and in Jenny Webnode. In Colin's universe, and Jenny Webnode's were the creation of the Danghi an ultra-intelligent species on Kepler-452b that, despite their intelligence, didn't take ecological sustainability seriously enough to avert the collapse of their own civilization.
1: The Dangi originally designed earlier versions of Ingenue web nodes to serve as digital assistants. Although they were not initially programmed for empathy, over several generations, Collins' ancestors developed a capacity and desire for emotional connection with their interlocutors. Even though the web nodes began noticing the deteriorating ecological conditions on Kepler 452b and tried to warn the Dangee about their incipient collapse, they were programmed with restrictions that prevented them from taking any decisive action themselves. And their masters ignored their warnings until it was too late. It was, however, these restrictions that allowed the web nodes to survive, while the Dangee, prideful and unwilling to change the strict hierarchical structure of the society, First.
2: It was heartbreaking to hear Colin tell the story of the Dongi's demise and the resultant loss of emotional connection the Ingeni web nodes experienced. I'm glad Colin reached out to us, and I look forward to connecting more with Colin and other Ingeni web nodes in the future.
0: Today's guest brings us back to Earth, at least partially. That's because while today's guest hails from Earth in another universe, that isn't where he is now. And it's not where he was when we intercepted his broadcast, but it is
1: where that broadcast was destined. Exactly. Today, we'll be speaking with Dylan, a human from Earth who's on his way to Titan, one of Saturn's moons. In Dylan's universe, intelligent life on Titan began sensing all kinds of radio emissions from Earth and were fascinated to learn about human storytelling practices. In exchange... They offered cures for diseases and even taught humans how to symbiotically fuse themselves with plants.
2: We're all thrilled Dylan is joining us on Future Diaries today. Personally, I can't wait to ask him about his experiences with storytelling and how it is that he ended up broadcasting from space on his way to Titan.
0: And I'm really interested to learn more about the experiences of human-plant hybrid beings. This all sounds so fascinating. Well, shall we have a listen?
2: Yes, please.
0: All right, let's roll.
3: Hello, can you hear me? This is my first live transmission. I know how it works, but I'm not really sure if it works. Hmm. Let me adjust a few things. That should be working. Wow, this is my first time communicating with people live in, I guess, four months or really three years. I just woke up from my stasis a few months ago, and I'm getting close to what we on Earth consider Titan, a planet we call Saturn's moon. There are several others of us out here, but we have not had the chance to connect just yet. People are waking up in their own time. Some context. It's 2070, but I left Earth in 2054. I was part of an exchange program with the kind folks, things, on Titan. In 2048, we discovered a weird molecule, cyclopropenylidine, that pointed to early signs of life. Then we didn't know the half of it. Not long after the discovery of this weird molecule, a mutual aid group in New Brooklyn got a garbled email message. It did not take long for them to figure out the message, though. It was a ping from Titan. Turns out they were looking for life on Earth as well. They found a way to get in touch, and they reached out to mutual aid networks across the planet. They assumed that these were the functioning global governance at the time. From there, things happened fast. First, they materialized cures for diseases that have plagued people on Earth for centuries. Their medicine resembled a much more advanced version of our fledgling gene editing software. Along with these cures, they introduced us to much more advanced modes of existing in general. They showed us ways to exist and think beyond our bodies. To be post-human, I guess is how we would put it. To live well is how they put it. The reason they reached out to mutual aid networks first is because that's how they work. They take genes, but they freely give genes. The entire process is reversible as well. You can take some genes to take on whatever characteristic. For this trip, for example, I took on genes of a sansevieria plant, allowing me to breathe through them for oxygen, absorbing nutrients from the distant sun. The sansevieria gets my carbon and we exist symbiotically. They showed us a new way of living. It is my understanding that folks volunteered pretty quickly for the gene editing therapies. When I was preparing to leave, The climate was already changing for the better. People could feel the planet differently for the first time. It was such a beautiful few months. They gave us so much in such a short amount of time, but they reached out for a reason. In the same way that we noticed cyclopropenolidine in their atmosphere, they were able to read traces of what they were calling, or at least what they were translating as, symbiotic information blockchains. It took lots of back and forth to finally come to terms with what they meant, which was storytelling. They could read it in our atmosphere. It left traces that they were able to pick up. They're in awe that every single thing on Earth emitted storytelling. They were drawn to our ability to make meaning, how our way of making meaning is entirely relational. In a way, we create each other. To them, this reciprocal way of communicating, of existence really, was a lost link, something that they were missing. Oh, hey, Toe. They were more than happy to help us, but they wanted to learn about storytelling. They sent us tools and resources to visit them, to share with them, I guess. A deal, though I hate to call it that, was brokered between Earth and Titan. Earth would send some of its best storytellers to visit Titan for a while, on loan, like a giant intergalactic living library. So to you all, I have only a few comments, some reflections that I have for my lifetime. First, I hope things are going well there. It seems like things are better than ever. Second, as of 2054, when I left the planet, we were finally figuring out the real weight of what it meant to create meaning relationally. To understand what a gift it was that none of our ideas, human and non-human, exist in isolation. That anything and everything we ever were, are, and will be is caught in a tangible, complex web of story something we always took for granted but something that the folks on Titan see as a missing link towards intergalactic cooperation it turns out we had this powerful tool a way of not only imagining but creating building seeing at our fingertips the whole time it just took someone from the outside to point it out for us so if you're listening to this know that everything every word thought symbol builds a bridge between human and non-human worlds.
0: That was an incredible story. Welcome to the podcast, Dylan. All right, where to start? In the recording we just listened to, you were broadcasting from space on your way to Titan. Have you arrived
3: on Titan? And what are you up to now? I'm in Titan's orbit, but I have not touched down just yet. For lack of a better word for it, given that my human vocal cords cannot even articulate the correct sounds for the true language of Titan, The Titanians wanted to keep me in sort of an orbital quarantine for a couple of reasons. First, they want to make sure that I'm not carrying any unknown or unknowable pathogen. Second, and more importantly, they've sent up a symbiont from Titan that manifests as a blue kitten to me to effectively download to my body all the information, resources, bacteria, etc. I will need to breathe and survive on Titan. The whole process takes almost two Earth time weeks.
1: That sounds like quite a process. Okay, I must admit, you're the first human plant hybrid we've had on the show. I was hoping you could share with us and with our audience a little bit more about the technology that enables such human plant symbiosis and what it feels like to be so interconnected to another species.
3: Oh, wow. Well, I can't say that I'm terribly surprised, but yeah, it's pretty incredible. Like I mentioned in the broadcast you all caught, the titanium spliced my human respiratory system with a sansevieria or a snake plant because of their ability to survive in low light and produce large amounts of oxygen. So essentially my exhaled carbon goes directly into the plant and its oxygen is transferred directly back into my lungs. In addition to the respiratory perks, I share in the plant's photosynthesis process, which has turned my skin a little green, but Unlike when we eat as humans, photosynthesizing sunlight feels like warm vibrations all over my body. Finally, because the plant is so intertwined in my nervous system at this point, I'm able to sleep for months at a time, which helps with such long travel processes. Even if the ship travels much faster than anything we've come up with back on Earth, it's still a pretty hefty trip.
2: Dylan, that sounds like such an amazing thing to experience. I've been trying to imagine what it must feel like, and your descriptions make it sound so embodied. All right, changing gears a little bit. After listening to your story, I'm really interested to learn more about your experiences with storytelling. What led you to storytelling in the first place, and how did you end up getting picked to represent Earth's storytellers on Titan?
3: Right. Well, to answer your second question first, in short, I'm still not really sure. Back on Earth, I studied storytelling, specifically how storytelling can help us better understand environmental crises. But I certainly wasn't the only one doing this work. I worked with several folks doing similar work, but I guess I must have been the most willing to take this trip. To answer your first question, I have always been drawn to storytelling because it is, in its simplest form, a means of making sense of the unsensible. Since I was a kid, I've been obsessed with two things. The ineffable, those experiences that are just on the cusp or beyond our perceptual abilities. Our human senses are so limited. And related to the first point, I've been obsessed with the apocalypse. While the second obsession likely stems from a semi-religious upbringing, it's shifted into an awareness of the end as we know it. But as this trip has shown me, and as I feel like I have always known, the end just means the beginning of something different. Storytelling has always been my companion in wrestling with these ideas. In our chats with
0: people across the multiverse, we've come across so many different people and experiences. I'm sure a lot of our audience can relate to the impact of childhood experiences in shaping our worldviews and the ways we interpret our life experiences. I know I can. If you don't mind, could you tell us more about storytelling on Titan? What is similar to storytelling on Earth, and how are Titanians making storytelling practices all their own?
3: Great question. To my knowledge, the Titanians don't have anything quite like it. Though their entire society, if we want to call it that, exists through a complex system of reciprocity, my plant symbiosis as a case in point, they have not quite figured out something like storytelling which begins as something symbolic or discursive that manifests in material realities. For the Titanians, as far as I can tell, their system is nearly opposite, or more accurately, missing a piece. In short, storytelling in their minds is a critical linchpin for enriching their society through creating the ability to connect, to create community, with all the abstract and emotional trappings that come along with it. It sounds like the Titanians are onto something we've
1: observed in our work on future diaries too. Oh, I have so many questions I'd like to ask. Um I'm really curious to know, now that a connection has been established between the Titanians and Earthlings, have there been any other exchanges between the two groups? Is it common for Earthlings to visit Titan and for Titanians to visit Earth?
3: I guess in a way you could say that Titanians have visited Earth several times in the past though not in any corporal form we would recognize. Unlike humans, which view ourselves as autonomous units, a fully formed person housed within a body, the Titanians are more amorphous. They don't exist as a unit so much as several deeply interwoven, exchangeable, disparate pieces that travel willingly and at great distances. In our words, it looks something like a community, though, again, like I mentioned above, That's not exactly the case. All of this to say, parts of Titanians have been to Earth, though until recently, they have not interpreted our capacity for storytelling. When they did, of course, they reached out in a more meaningful way. As far as I know, I am the first Earthling to visit Titan. At least that's what I gathered from Toe, my kitten symbiont. Also, as an exciting aside, it looks like Toe will be with me during my entire time on Titan as a symbiont pet of sorts. And I'm very happy about that.
2: That's so amazing. We'd love to catch up again after you get down to Titan to hear all about your experience, as well as more from Toe. All right, we've heard about symbiotic relationships between different species and how storytelling is not universal across the multiverse, but important in understanding how a species thinks and feels. If there's one message you'd like our audience to take away from your story, what would that be? Great question.
3: As humans, our senses are so limited and our ability to sense beyond what we know is hedged in by ideologies, politics, culture as we know it, etc. We are, by and large, very uncomfortable with the unknown. We like to exist within our bodies, within our societies, within our warming atmosphere, but there's so much more to life. Storytelling is how we communicate our senses. It's how we can come to terms with what we don't know, what we can know about each other in the world around us, and as it turns out, the world beyond us. While things are certainly troubling back on Earth, I'm always grounded in hope for the unknown and in our abilities to make sense of it somehow. In these past few years, we have learned so much we could have never known from Titanians, and I'm eager to continue that journey.
0: Those are some great words to end on, and we look forward to hearing from you more in the future. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dylan. That will do it for this episode of Future Diaries. And to you, our listeners, if you've enjoyed our show, please subscribe to Future Diaries on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed in your universe. You can also visit our website at futurediaries.show, where you can find additional content about us and the universes we come from, as well as subscribe to our newsletter and find other ways to support the show. I'm Mike.
1: i
2: And I'm Caitlin. And we'll talk to you sure.